Nelson spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go On the Range with Jay Delsing. On the Range is brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Good morning, this is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and uh, welcome to the show. We have formatted my show just like a round of golf. The opening segment is called the On the Range segment, and it's brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Let's talk just a little bit about the show. I've got an incredible interview with Paul Azinger. Just a terrific little sit-down conversation with Paul. But I've got to tell you, folks, um, obviously strange times we're living in with this coronavirus. So much uncertainty. Uh, there's just so much unknown and uh, so many people are really, really scared, and um, you know our hearts and prayers go out to everyone—the the frontline workers, the people that have been in, infected, and um, just just everybody that's trying to adapt to a new way of life. It uh, certainly is not easy. Um, on a lighter note, we want you to be able to tune to this show. Um, you'll be able to tell uh, most of the interviews are taped well in advance, just around the uh, the guest schedule, and so that's the case today with Paul. And before Paul and I were on, we did, knew nothing about any coronavirus, so um, keep that in mind when you listen. Uh, also, please keep in mind, we have a new showtime. We're moving f- from 8.30 on Sunday morning to 9 o'clock, so we'll be going from 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings on 101 ESPN. Yeah, so let's just go straight into that Paul Azinger interview. This is a 12-time PGA Tour winner, a writer, victorious Ryder Cup captain, a um, Victoria victorious Ryder Cup team member, a major championship winner, and now he is the analyst, lead analyst on Fox Sports Golf Team as long as the NBC Sports Golf Team. So enjoy, Paul. When you're watching a practice round, guys are out there with their wives or their girlfriends and uh, their this the entourage. Everybody brings about 10, 12 guys inside the ropes. It looks like a parade out there. Yeah, some of the practice rounds do. I've seen practice rounds now with, of all people, Tiger Woods. Counted, I counted 14 people on the green. Might have been 12 people on the green in a Tiger Woods practice round. Never would you have ever seen that back when he first showed up, I'll tell you. He'd have snarled him right back in behind the ropes, wouldn't he? He just wouldn't have ever had that. You know, that that was just, it's just changed so much. Even since Tiger came out, really the whole social media thing didn't start till 2008. That would have been 11 years into Tiger's career. And then, you know, that's why I just think it's harder to play. I think I would have cared too much about if I had to brand myself, self-branding and marketing and all that has just changed the game. I felt I feel it makes it harder, peer pressure-wise. you got somebody that can send negative stuff to you, but you're trying to build your brand through a social media. I really admire these players, Jay. i got to tell you, they hit it great, and they hit it far, and they hit it high. And you and I both know you got to have some courage to put it up there in the air for 10 seconds. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's not without risk. I just can't believe how they're good. I don't know if I could have done it. Because can you imagine if you show up without your entourage and without all that, how you're going to beat those guys? Zing, how was I going to get an entourage? I'd have had to go buy one. <laughs> what do you think they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> those guys aren't showing up for nothing. My but it's, a, it's awesome to watch, though, because yeah. – you know, they still make mental mistakes, and they still, you know, they'll make bad decisions, and they'll miss putts. And But it's the same game that we played. And, uh, you know, really the scores are kind of the same. I just think mentally they've got an advantage over uh, the, the entourage guys. They, that's why they hang on. I think longevity seems to be something, even with all this money, they're going to be able to go and go and play and play and play. Zing, let me ask you this. One of the things I noticed from the best players I ever played with is they hit their long stuff high, not as high as these guys do, but they hit all their short stuff low. And that's the one thing I don't see many of these guys do. Now, some guys do, but not very many guys bring their wedges in very low. You were a master at that. Well, you know what, though? I mean, honestly, I was taught that the greats will hit their long irons high and their short irons low. 
I was and taught I, the same thing. Know, I had patches where I could hit my long irons really nice and high. I remember, you know, a week that I won at Muirfield Village, I was able to hit a one iron really high that week. For me, for whatever reason. And uh, But what an advantage. And that's what Tiger Woods had over maybe Greg Norman. Because Norman couldn't hit his wedges that low either. He hit his everything high. Tiger hits his long irons high, short irons low. Jack, long irons high, short irons low. You know, it's Watson hit everything high. Didn't but, you feel uh, like? Didn't you feel like Greg Norman had such a problem taking the gas, his foot off the gas pedal? I mean, I felt like he just kept, you know, trying to hammer everything. And to your point, you know, the the his short irons spun so much, and they're always up in the air, and and lack of control there. Yeah, yeah. The old adage, a lot of times, was you know, the tighter the hole, the harder you should swing. You know, just so you wouldn't steer it, I guess. Maybe that was a psychological message or something. And But you know what? If I'd have hit it as nice as he hit it, I probably would have shot for every flag, too. It was – how do you take it, your foot off the gas? Now, you're talking about that little that little take-something-off-it shot? Yes. He didn't have that. He did you not know? have it. Zing, he got in between clubs and didn't know anything but the gas. He couldn't take a little eight and fit it in there. He was always smashing that nine. Yeah, I've been in that trap before, though, and you know you can get you can get in that trap where all you can do is swing hard. And you and I both played where we fell in love with finesse too, where we'd hit a rip snorting nine iron, or we'd hit a little nine iron and cover about a twenty yard area with one with one club. And I think Greg got stuck sometimes where he only had about a six or five or six yard area sometimes with one club because he only had one speed. And Tiger never fought that ever, but I'd get. St- trapped with my swing sometimes where all I had was full out. That's when I knew I was starting to get in trouble. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. And I, I think about some of the opportunities we had with some of the players. I thought Greg Norman was one of the best drivers of the ball I ever played with, I ever saw. He could smash it straight. Yeah, he hit it unbelievable. And I don't think I'll ever see anybody drive it like that ever again. Um, but now it's it's so different. It, uh, I don't know if they're going to be as accurate as Greg, and, but to watch the ball leave the way it leaves now, it's just blowing my mind. The first couple weeks when I was out here and watching these guys on the driving range, Jay, uh, the, the launch angle has gone up probably five to seven degrees since we played. I know, can't believe that thing. Huh? I cannot believe Roy McIlroy. You and I could stand on a tee 30 yards in front of him, and he could hit a 350-yard drive over our head in 30 yards. He could hit it that high. Yeah, I know. It's it's the weird thing. It's like learning how high to throw a javelin to optimize your distance. And, you know, I guess as soon as you've had enough film speed or video or whatever to figure out RPMs and launch angle, that changed everything. And remember, that happened while we were playing, too, Uh when I think Callaway was the first one to have built that golf studio. You remember yes. that? And what a big deal it was to go there. And now they all have them, TaylorMade, Titleist, they all have them. But the first time you could actually see impact, the driver smashed to the ball when the ball was flattened out on that one side. That yeah, was so cool. Yeah. And it morphed into this. USDA thinks it's all about, you know, or I don't know what anybody, what they're all thinking actually, but uh, it, it's not just the ball and it's not just the club head. You know, there's a lot of math that went into this thing, optimizing your trajectory and matching a proper spin to it. It's it's really, it's not an algorithm, but it's written out exactly how you can optimize your distance based on the tra- the trajectory and the velocity your ball leaves with spin. They got it. And now these guys can hit it 350. A big part of the reason is because they it's like throwing the javelin. If you throw it too low, it's not going as far. And they know it, and that's their whole thing is hitting it farther. Yeah, no, and the combination of the driver and the ball, the things turned into a missile. But, Zing, back in the day when we were using those those wooden drivers, launch angle? Hell, man, I was just trying to find that little minuscule sweet spot in the middle of that Cleveland driver I had. <laughs> hey, you and me both, I had an old McGregor driver back in the day. Remember the old Tony Panna driver? Yeah. beautiful it was such a fun era and generation, but I thought it was hard. The premium was putting it on the fairway, and it was just hard. Guys that could drive it straight, you know, Mike Reed or Kite or somebody like that, Curtis, they would just dominate. Hal Sutton, those guys would kill. And Jack had straight and long, 
you know, Watson rolled in there. You know, Watson could hit every fairway if you weren't careful. Yeah. And and be long. So that they all drove it nice. Trevino hit it unbelievably straight. But boy, it, it's almost as if you know the whole driving aspect of golf flipped since we started into the top ten on the driving distance list, losing their cards to now they're the the top guys. Zing, what about it used to be drive for show, putt for dough. Now it's drive for dough. I mean, the, the, you're absolutely right. The script has completely flipped, and the guys that are the, the best two players in the last 25 years have been the crookedest drivers going, Tiger and Phil. Yep, that's a fact. Um, but you still got to putt. You know, you can drive for an advantage and drive for dough, but you still got to make putts. Most of these events are still coming down to one shot here, one shot there. And even though, you know, they probably are making a mockery of some of these holes and not all the courses, but you know how the tour is so smart when they set these courses up, Jay? They put the holes in places that can protect the scores anytime they want. And But the guys are hitting wedges on holes where you remember you go back and you're like, oh, that should be a seven iron. That should not be a wedge. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, so that's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. But come back. We've got lots more of Paul Azinger and uh, not that much more of John and I. Perfect day for you guys. (laughs) This is Golf with Jay Delsing. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's Ascension Charity classic.com i want to take a minute to tell you about a law firm that has been with me since the inception of the show i'm talking about doster olam and boyle the firm was started in 2015 by mike doster jess olam and john boyle these are three veterans of the st louis real estate banking commercial and corporate legal landscape the firm has talented additional roster of professionals with decades of experience to help you achieve your goals in whatever situation you find yourself in the firm was founded on the shared goals that success has to be measured by client and community satisfaction not just profits for the partners these guys are involved in the community they live in the community and they care about the community since its founding in 2015 dr Olman Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with over a billion dollars in combined value. Their areas of practice will overlap, and the firm's attorneys will take their time to get to know you and your situation so that they can guide you and point you in the direction that you need to go. Dr. Ullman Boyle, extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. How is the relationship with your bank? Does it meet your expectations for what a bank should be? Are they a partner for you and your business, providing value beyond the products and services offered? Or is it just a holding place for your money? At St. Louis Bank, we want to be your banking partner. We believe in being more for you and your business than a placeholder for your money. Our team works to understand you so we can provide the ideal products and services for you and your business. And we're always just a call, text, or email away to provide the banking advice that you need. Because at St. Louis Bank, we know when you succeed, we all succeed. Isn't it time you get the banking partner you deserve? St. Louis Bank, let's move your business forward together. Find us online at stlouisbank.com, connect with us on LinkedIn, or call at 314-851-6200. Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The front nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. Uh, I'm your host, Jay. i got Pearl here with me, and we are going to the front nine, and the front nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Classic. Don't miss that great event this uh, this fall in St. Louis. Um, all right, we got to talk about and thank our friends at Whitmore for sponsoring the show. Uh, they were with us all last year. Ninety holes of golf out at Whitmore. You get the thirty six holes that are right there at the facility. Then you could go to Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, the Golf Club of Wentzville, and there will be no cart fees. There's no uh, food or beverage minimums. No assessments. But here's what they do have, a 24-hour fitness center, a large pool complex, there's tennis courts, 
stop in the golf shop, do yourself a favor, and shake hands with Bummer. He's been on the show. He'll be on again. He's a great guy. Been running golf leagues and skins games and members tournaments, wives, uh, women's events, couples events. There's a kids club in the evening for your children so you can drop the kids off and they get to hang out with other kids, go swimming, play tennis, whatever. And you get to go have a cocktail, go play a little golf, do whatever you want to do with your your uh, significant other, your wife. Um, uh, they got a great social calendar. Whitmore is just a, a family-centric, family-friendly place. Uh, you can call them at 636-926-9622. All right, I don't want to waste any more time. we got to go straight back into this Paul Azinger interview. That was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And Zing, when he came back from that fourth surgery, the back fusion, because I've had one back surgery, and the, the to get your back fused, it's really the career ender. It says you're, you know, I've, I went to two different doctors here in St. Louis. They said, your career's over uh, competitively. We just got to get you out of pain. Well, I never did that because I help, was hoping I could still play a little bit. But Tiger came back, and all of a sudden, Zing, his speed was back. Yeah, he had more controlled speed. You know, the key to his speed is that he got it in the right spot. It wasn't happening early. He quit jumping at every shot. And uh, I think I said something about him. You know, I know how much you love baseball, but I compared him to Greg Maddox as he got older and his, you know, fastball's 88 or less even. Right. And he's still getting people out. Well, Tiger's fastball's probably 88, and he's still going to win. Big part of the reason is because it comes down to that putter, and I still think he's got the best memory bank of putts made and the mindset, a state of mind in putting. You and I both know putting was always, I always felt it was more the measure of my heart than my technique and, and all that stuff. That was all assumed. It was like a sequence of order in your head how you putt if you putt well, and if you're screwing up the sequence of order, it's usually, I always felt like, oh, it's such a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. It is so did true. Did you think like that? I did think like that. And do you remember how when you'd come down under the gun, your palms are sweaty, everything is shaking, you need to make That's this awesome. putt, and you got it. And do you remember the the adrenaline rush? See, yeah, I, you, you, you know, the thing is, I didn't get it after I got in contention a lot, a lot, a lot. But you could still get a jolt. When a putt that you think's going in, and you make a step and it's not in, and you got it, it's got to, it had to go. I've had jolts like blood rushes before, like to my face, like oh my god, yeah, maybe it's not gonna happen, maybe it's maybe it's not gonna happen, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's just uh, there's no feeling in the world like that, you know, when when you have the rush going and you can go ahead and crash your your driver an untold distance, it's an easy yep. outlet, but you got to be soft. And you have to be smooth with those hands on your putting, and that gets a little dicey. Yeah, isn't it the greatest combination of, you know, the polar opposites in, in a single event? You know, I guess baseball's got it. Well, not, not as much. Golf, like any of, unlike any other sport, you have that full-blown power off the tee if you watch Dustin Johnson, but he's got to get down there to that green a couple shots, you know, ten minutes away, five minutes away, and he's got to finesse something in the greens. I keep thinking about Oakmont and how well he hit it there, uh, and the putts that he made, that he didn't make at Shinnecock because he hit it equally as well. Yeah. But the putts didn't go in. That Shinnecock was a bear. Oh, my gosh, oh, those greens. Yeah. That thing was, a, oh, the wind blew from an odd direction that week. Zing and um, – How about we got Wingfoot coming up, Jay Bird? Oh, I know. Oh, that's a that's a headache on every hole, Zing. I I played in '06, I think. There. Oh my gosh. I remember the just walking on the very first green. All you hear about is Wingfoot this, Wingfoot that, and it was spectacular looking. I mean, kind of just old and nostalgic, like you stumbled on, you know, a nice piece of farmland. They turned into a golf course with these beautiful, majestic trees and this beautiful old brick clubhouse. Tees on the front tees. I mean, you know how it's kind of understated until you get to where that first tee is and you look out there and it's like, oh, wow, this is wing foot. And you get to the first green. I remember getting to the first green the first time at the U.S. Open practice round, looking around thinking, well, if every green's like this, I'm out. I'm, I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing, Zinga. I said, I got a problem. They were like that and I couldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. I got a problem. I think, hey, Zing, talk a little bit about Tiger down at the uh, President's Cup, and what what a job he did leading leading the boys. 
Look, I, I've said this a couple times now, um, but you know, he should just be the captain from now on, President's <laughs> Cup and Ryder Cup, uh, after Stricker. He, he just had a calm and a trust, and you know his game was so sharp, and it just shows you the, his ability to switch gears and uh, to compartmentalize, I guess. But he put himself uh, with his players and all that in a mindset that I'm just going to trust these guys because they're really good. And that's exactly the same mindset I had. I put them in small groups. He might have done that. I didn't really look that hard into it. But, he, you know, you got to trust those guys. And, and when they got behind, I asked a couple guys afterwards what that was like. And I heard now I've heard Woodland talk about it publicly. He said, you know, he came in and we were all nervous how he would react when we got behind. He was really relaxed. Uh, which was, you know, he, he had the big smile on his face, and he said, uh, you know, I think what he said, something like, hey, 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 relax, relax, guys, we're so tight for, we, we, you know, we don't know the course, and we still got jet lag, something like that. And, you know, the way I wanted to paint that for the two different teams was that Tiger trusted those guys, and, and the other side, Ernie had to, to say, hey, look, you best trust me because yep. I've got the course record here, and you know, uh, no one's played better. This is a club you're going to hit off this tee. You're going to hit this off this tee, and that's the way you're going to play the course. And they almost won it. It was brilliant, but two completely different styles of leadership. Uh, I think it would be – I mean, it just feels like it should be Tiger every time until he decides to let someone else do it. You know, Zing, I had a completely different take of him sitting out that third day. Uh, I thought it showed incredible – I thought it was really ballsy, and it showed – the ultimate amount of trust in his gang. And I thought uh, that's that was my take on it. Yeah, my thinking on that at the time was, you know, what a disaster. And we'll, you know, we'll see if it works out because they're behind, you know. So I think as an analyst in those situations, I mean, I'm trying to strike the, the, the correct tone for that and just, you know, let the viewer know what's going on there. But uh, it did take some heart for him to do that uh, or some trust. You're right some full-blown trust. Uh, he knew how his back felt. You could tell he was getting tight. I remember saying something like, you know, he looks like he's getting stiff. And, you know, you just can't speculate. Um, so they didn't want us to speculate on stuff like that. But, yeah, it was the right thing. It turned out. It's pretty interesting, Zing, because you and I have aged, and you watch uh, Tiger. You think he'll ever win a PGA championship? And, I mean, I can't ever say no to this guy because I've had to eat crow so many times. But, that moving the PGA Championship into May and a lot of cooler weather, he had to deal with a bunch of cool weather in Australia down there too, didn't he? Yeah, surprisingly cool because it was 100 degrees when we arrived and it was 104 degrees two days after we left. But we had cool weather, high 68 or so every day. It was like Pebble Beach, man. We were so lucky. It was great. Yeah, I think it's just as cold in April at Augusta. I just don't think. That should be a problem. I, I picked him to win at Wingfoot because he's the best putter, and I think that Greg Maddox uh, golf swing he's got is going to dominate that joint. That's what I think. So I think he'll win there. He missed the cut last time, but I just you're, I'm like you. I, I can't write him off. I, I just never could write him off. I remember the day he showed up, Payne and I got off the plane, and here comes Tiger Woods flying in, just won the U.S. Amateur that day. And Payne and I are on the tarmac trying to talk him out of uh, turning pro. We wanted to stay college so he wouldn't <laughs> come out and start taking us down. But we had no idea right. that he was going to be like that. Right. We miss Payne Stewart, don't we? we got to give a little tribute to our buddy. You know, I got to play on a uh, Missouri Cup match team with him. He was from Springfield and a few years older than I was. But the the world is not a, as much fun a place without Payne Stewart in it. Yeah, I forget, I forget you Missouri-blooded guys, man. It's, Missouri's like Texas, isn't it? I mean, you, it's like if you're from Missouri, that's a big deal. Floridians is not like that. It's like everybody comes down here. So we've lost <laughs> our identity. <laughs> yeah, yeah Payne was awesome, though. I mean, you're right. He uh, he could play, too, buddy. That's the thing about Payne. He had all that style and you know, I guess it was charisma. I don't know how many times you went out to dinner with him, but I went out to dinner with him plenty when not one person recognized him. 
I, I told uh, him, I said, how did you figure this out? It's almost like you gave yeah. yourself a uniform so that when you get out into public, you're anonymous. And he, he looked at me just with that, you know, that, that little twinkle that in his eye. I'm like, like, don't yeah, give me that, pain. Box, you're not that smart. Saying. You know, um, it'd be the equivalent, really, of Roy McElroy wearing knickers. And just you only saw Roy McElroy in knickers. And then you see him out to dinner in regular clothes. You just walk right by him. Yeah. And that's what Payne had. And that was, I, I really envied that, you know. You get to a point where you play so bad, then you want people to recognize you again. <laughs> <laughs> We've both been through that before, Zing. Yeah. Hey, t- tell, tell the listeners a little bit about the first year at NBC. It had to be tough. Stepping in for Johnny Miller. I wasn't, I, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Miller as a person. I really didn't like his, his style of, uh, of analysis, but boy, he sure was popular. Hey, Johnny Miller was great. The more I hear stuff that he says, the more I realize, you know, he was right on. I mean, he crossed the line plenty of times. Um, I'm sure, you know, opinions about Johnny go all over the map. Um, it was just a weird dynamic for me to walk in there in that, you know, we set up in that trailer and there's a couple trailers and it just was different. You know, it's weird for me to walk into there. It's quite a dynamic with all these people that have been together for 20 to 30 years. And here I'm the newcomer. And, uh, I was nervous. I got to tell you, <laughs> I was real nervous about it, but you know, we're all buddies. We all do the same thing. And, but we never hang out together. You know how that is, Jay. You played a tour for 25 years or 30 years. I played almost 30 years. And you know everybody on the tour, but you don't know anything about them at home. So anyway, it's Faraday in there and Coke in there and Roger in there and Hicks, all these people. Bones is in there. And here I come. So I got through the first week of uh, Phoenix where Johnny retired Saturday. I finished Sunday. And got through that i felt like i got you know my rookie season's over everything from now on is going to be familiar so i'm really happy about that you know one of the dynamics for me was tough was going back to fox and doing the u.s open last year i had six weeks off between nbc which i signed that deal then all of a sudden i show up and it's like am i an nbc guy am i a fox guy right then i had to go back to do nbc again six weeks after that for the, the open championship over there well, see, one of the things for me is chemistry. You and I. It happens. Pl- you know how it works. The whole, the whole thing at NBC. You know how it works, bro. Everybody's there to do everything they can to make the show better. Everyone's there to help. For the most part, we're all there to help each other out, and that attitude really works at Fox. I think the goal is to make everybody around you better, and NBC has that. Um, but they're all just so polished and so you know, steadfast in their ways. But when they hang around the trailer, they talk about stuff. And it comes out on the air, most of it. A lot of it comes out on the air. And just how we formulate our opinions. You know, Patrick Reed's story was a big one. And, you know, we were, after that whole incident there in the Bahamas, you know, you don't just willy-nilly walk up in the booth and start talking. You know, we were trying to figure out, you know, what was the right way to handle that whole thing. And finally... Tommy Roy said, hey, why don't you and Dan go out there and talk to him? We're hearing what everybody else is saying. Let's just hear what he has to say. And so that's how we approached him. And he was happy to start talking about, you know, I knew the rule. Um, he didn't think, you know, the camera angle was good still. He didn't think he improved high that much. Uh, okay, Zing, I don't, I don't know what. And then he said he didn't see the sand move and he didn't feel it. So that's what we reported on the air. I just said, hey, look. <laughs> The worst player at your golf course knows better than to do that, and he did it. Zing, it was he did it twice though. You know, if you know. did it, it, but of all the things you you may have tried to do as a kid, you wouldn't even try to do that. You know, playing with your buddies—it's so obvious to me. Well, it, I I think that I wonder this: if if you squatted down now that I think about it, and just started flicking the sand away with your finger because it's a waste area, how far down can you go? Yeah. That's the only. That's the only thing I don't know. Is like, well, did he just do it faster? I mean, could he have kept going? But you're not allowed to improve your lie. That's Either way, no matter line. what, whether you're flicking with your finger or your club, you right. can't improve your lie. Moving you're the not sand. allowed to improve your lie. Yeah, yeah. So, 
it's a dicey, it's a tricky situation, but that was just so weird, and I can't even put my finger on how his mind worked that out to do that. You, you, you know, Zing, I loved what you said where he's really got to get it right from this time going forward because we've yep. got cameras all over the joint now. Yep. Yep, you can't make mistakes out there. And, you know, guys, I don't think anybody is malicious in their ways out there. I never felt that way. And uh, I don't think Patrick Reed's malicious, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I always kind of like the guy. I still really – I think the players, you know, think he's okay. Some players can't stand him, of course. But he's not a royal pain to be around. He doesn't say – he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't say stupid stuff. He pretty much speaks when spoken to, I guess. Uh, I don't know. He, he's not annoying. He just made some bad decisions, I guess. And that's going to do it for the front nine. Um, come back. We got more Paul Azinger. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. The 100,000 watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30 day return. WXOS and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Are you in the market for some new clubs? Maybe a bag and the latest style of sweet new shoes. Is this a year you decide to stop listening to your buddy's advice and get some real golf instruction? If any of these appeal to you, then go to Pro-Am Golf today. Pro-Am Golf has all the latest gear from all the major manufacturers. Call Steve today at 314-781-7775 and schedule a lesson with Tom DeGrand. Tom is the best. He's been in the game for over 50 years, so you take that knowledge along with their state-of-the-art equipment, and boom, your game will get a whole lot better. Visit them at ProMGolfUSA.com. Everyone is looking for the extra edge, and Jay Delsing is digging deep to find it. It's the leading edge on Golf with Jay Delsing. I am with uh, Gabe Alusi from the Private Club Agency, and this is the Leading Edge segment. Gabe, thanks so much for joining me, and tell the folks a little bit about what you do. Jay, it's an honor to be with you, sir. Yes, as you mentioned, I, I have a company called the Private Club Agency, which helps clubs around the world with their membership development. And um, most recently, I started a YouTube channel called Let's Play Through. And that show is basically, if you think of Anthony Bourdain meets the golf channel, that's what the show is. So I travel around the world to interesting locations. We check out the food, the culture, and of course, we play some of the best golf courses on the planet. It's really cool. Sounds like a really tough gig, uh, Gabe. And, you know, <laughs> people give me trouble for what I do. And so we're all kind of both in that same line. I know. I do have to. Uh, there, there is some, some jealousy for sure, but uh, we try to make it fun. We try to be personable and give people a, a taste of, of, of some of these locations that they can't get to or they're thinking about going to eventually. Hopefully it gives them some inspiration. You also do the cl- uh, private club radio show, which is uh, probably a little bit more of the same. Just another way to reach out to people. Yeah, so the Private Club Radio Show specifically is for people in the industry. Generally, club managers are my listeners. And we've been educating folks for over five years on the show now, just helping them better manage their clubs and get through uh, trials and tribulations like we're all facing right now with this COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, it's crazy times for sure. Gabe, um, tell the folks, because so many of our listeners, if they're not members of private clubs, they certainly know of them. Tell us a little bit about how you help them. So only 5% of clubs in the United States have a full membership, meaning they're full, they're on a wait list. The other 95% of clubs need members, and that's what our agency is set up to do. So we run digital marketing campaigns. We've, we've been instrumental in really educating the entire industry to get online, to use social media, and uh, to, to use some of the new media outlets like podcasts, YouTube videos, and things like that, that will drive more eyeballs to their club. I think clubs over the years, um, they just, they kind of, they kind of got lost their way, especially in 2008 with the economic downturn, the the last economic downturn, clubs were in a really tough position and um, we were there to, to really move them into the 21st century and, and helping them build their membership. You clearly have a love for the game. Is that really the why on how you started uh, this company? 
It absolutely is. My father was a former PGA professional. He was a club pro, uh, not on tour like you, but he was a club professional in Massachusetts. So I grew up playing golf. I started playing golf when I was three years old with my dad. So it was always our thing. But for clubs specifically, I was living on a little remote island in the Philippines and I was completely disconnected from anything uh, American. And I found a club there. It was actually a little tennis club, which became my community. And that became my why, to, to build these communities, because that's all golf clubs and country clubs and private clubs are. They're communities of like-minded individuals to, that are there to help connect with each other um, and, and build lifelong friendships. And so that little club on that little island sort of saved me from a lonely place in my life. And I want to build more of those communities around the world. Man, I love that story, Gabe. Golf has done so much similar to me and given me such a great opportunity. Tell the folks where and how we can get in touch with you. Well, the best thing for folks to do would be to, to subscribe to my YouTube channel or check out the YouTube channel. If you're into golf, into travel, into food, the show is called Let's Play Through. And you can visit youtube.com slash let's play through with a U, not spelled out, but with a U. And you'll find the channel there. And we'd love for, love for you to subscribe and, and uh, follow us on some of those adventures. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs. If you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. USA Mortgage has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsings. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, on 101 ESPN. Whitmore has been a great partner as I enter my second year. If you are considering a great place for your family to hang out, You've got to go over to Whitmore Country Club. Go in the golf shop. See my friend Bummer. He'll tell you all you need to know about the kids' club, the golf, the tennis. Uh, They've got uh, swim teams and leagues. There's anything you and your family could want at Whitmore Country Club. Visit them at WhitmoreGolf.com. We're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing, and I got John Perlis here with me, and we are on the back nine brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Let's go right back to that uh, Paul Azinger interview. You know, Zing, talking about having cameras around, I remember playing with you in Doral. I don't know what year it was. And you had to lead after two days and got disqualified because of moving some rocks with your feet on 18. Do you remember that? Oh, do I ever. What in the uh, that was one of those weird deals. I hit it in the water, but the ball was kind of half in, half out. It was oscillating. When I got in there, I took my stance, and my right foot was underwater. And, you know, there's a bunch of little rocks. It's coral there. It's all coral shelf. It drops straight down off this. It's literally a coral shelf. But my ball's up on the high part. So it's oscillating. I stand on it, and I stand on a rock that goes right under the ball of my foot, and I just flicked it out from under my foot, under the water. The rock was under the water. My foot was soaking wet. I shoved it out of there and uh, splashed it out, finished my round, played the next day. This is back when USA Network covered it. Remember yeah. on Thursday, Friday? It was the very beginnings of Thursday, Friday golf. I think Kevin, Kevin Landy and those guys did that, that work back then. It, yeah, it could have been. Um, that ended up being replayed, and some guy called the next day and said he moved a loose impediment in the hazard. So I finished my round and just happened to be leading. Um, I finished my second round the next morning, but they had they knew. They had followed me around the last four holes, probably hoping I'd make a double or a triple or something <laughs> to be leading. And they showed it to me twice on video, and I didn't see the breach. I kept waiting to see my club tick the water on the way back or something like that. So watch your right foot. Maybe it was my left foot. I think both feet were in the water. Either way, I pawed my foot out of there. And I said, is that a penalty? Yeah. Moving loose impediment and a hazard. That's about, I'm like, I'm just taking my stance. I, could, I just popped out with like, what if I'm digging in the, in the bunker in the sand? What's the difference? 
and they just—it was like I. But I didn't question the rule. I just took the penalty, and it is, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to push that rock out from there. But I tried to make logic of it, and uh, I decided not to challenge the rule, thankfully, and um, just took my disqualification home with me. It was oh. awful. Oh, that's a, that is a. I, I felt terrible. It wasn't even me. I'm thinking, what in the hell? Did this, you played so beautifully. It was a replay. It was like the replay issue. I was one of the few first victims of that. Um, you know, where you did something, I would say, you know, earlier that you was you didn't know it was a mistake, and then, bam, you get DQ'd as a result. Now, if they find you did stuff like that, and they the replay finds it, they just add the penalty to your score, and they don't disqualify you anymore. That replay thing, though, God, that is that is a pain. I can't, there, there's no, I don't like that in golf. That's one of the few things I really dislike about it. Well, I'll tell you what, that girl, uh, Anna Norquist, is that who that was? That got uh, our U.S. Open over there where she ticked the sand. You could only see it yeah. with the camera. You right. couldn't see it with the naked eye. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, you're right. It's part of it, though. I mean, if the camera sees it, it sees it. And nobody wants to breach a rule on purpose. I guarantee you that. No, that was uh, the year Brittany Lang, I think, went on to win that uh, Open Championship. Yeah, he sure did. There. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I like that little chipping contest thing we had in the pool, remember? Uh, we went to that oh, little yeah. party, and uh, they had these little floating greens out in the middle of the pool, and we were chipping little Velcro balls on <laughs> the thing over there, having a couple of cocktails. Uh, didn't you dominate? I think that's why you liked it so much. Uh, well, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> Hey, Zing, give us some sort of what are you most excited about uh, this year in golf? What I mean, is it it, for me, it's Tiger. I mean, I I just can't wait to see what he what he's going to do. I I totally agree. I just cannot wait to see Tiger and what he's going to do. You know, as long as Tiger's around, he's going to be the lead story every tournament he enters. And he's got a lot coming, you know, at him right now with a chance to break the all time wins record. Think about that for a second. You know how hard it is to win on the tour? Yeah. He's going for the all-times win record. How do you think that makes him feel? Do you think it makes him feel, uh, I don't know, is it probably harder than trying to win his first ever major or trying to win his one, well, because no, he won by 20 or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> how right. about trying to win his first ever tournament he won in a playoff? Right. What a feeling that must yeah. be for him to try to get loaded up to win this tournament. I will say this thing. More. This kid... He's not a kid anymore. But when he came out and he played, it was so obvious to me that he had seen himself doing this already. I think it's already in the uh, in, in the bank in his mind. Probably. Um, but if those other guys better not let him do it. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. I mean, why does that record not get talked about very often? 83 wins on the PGA Tour. Seriously? Yeah, it's the same people that won the majors, <laughs> that play in the majors. It's the same field almost every single week, isn't it? Yeah. Same guys, different courses, and they're not designated majors. And if you can win on the tour, you probably win any week. Some guys only win was a major, but you're right. 80, that'd be 83 wins. That is just not, it's unfathomable. And I really think he could keep going. He's 44 now, maybe. Yep, 44. I mean, I just want to see an x-ray of his back. <laughs> that guy who did that surgery, I mean, they it's got to have a name. It's got like Tommy John surgery. This is Tiger. Oh, yeah, you can have Tiger Woods surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like some bars and rods and things like that in there. Zing, yeah, you... but it's the most compelling. He hits the most shots with the most enthusiasm and the most excitement, and he hits shots with the most flair. And uh, I don't think anybody really comes close to that to t- what Tiger brings beyond just the record books. There's Zing, for me, the part that's the there. most underrated about Tiger's game is his wedges around the green, his bunker play. He, he remember how we used to talk about using the bounce and how we'd hit bunker shots together yep. up in Canada and slapping the bounce and all of those things. And uh, he's so steady, so phenomenal, so. He makes the hard shots look elementary. Yeah, you know, Tiger learned so much from the generation before us. Guys like Kite and Lanny 
and uh, Floyd and, you know, teachers like Dave Pelf. I think, you know, even working with my old coach, because I had good wedges, Redmond, John Redmond. Um, but the generation before us were the ones that really started to figure stuff out with high-speed video, you know, film. Remember that? Sequence yep. cameras. And they started to put it together. Now, the generation before them were playing great, but they couldn't, like, just technically tell you what was going on. Boy, Tiger now is just setting the bar every time he tees it up. But he didn't have to learn how to slap the bounce. Kite already figured that out, or, or you know, Claude Harmon already figured that out. Or Harvey right? Penick or somebody like that, yeah. Harvey Penick already – yeah, those guys. So that's kind of what you're dealing with here with Tiger is all those guys ahead of them, not us so much because at our age, yeah, he probably watched and just thought, that guy won? That's probably what he was thinking. So, <laughs> but he learned a lot from those guys, I think. They contributed a lot in the process to where it is now yeah. where it's all about literally, I mean – what do they call them? Analytics. I mean, they're using analytics and they're I using know. strokes gained and all that stuff. And as a broadcaster, it makes you lazy almost. You can just look and see how he's putting by how many feet of putts he's made. You know, it can make, it's just unbelievable. It, it is anyway, unbelievable. They got all the numbers now. And that's going to do it for the back nine. We got one segment left and a little bit more left of this Zinger interview. So don't go anywhere. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Come back. For the 19th hole. The 100,000 watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports. Driven by Auto Centers Nissan. Home of the 30 day return. WXOX and WXOS HD1. East St. Louis. 101 ESPN. For the last 48 years, Pro-Am Golf has been providing outstanding customer service to the greater St. Louis area for all of our golf needs. From top-of-the-line equipment to full-service club repair lessons and instructions. They now have their own retail outlet as well as state-of-the-art computers, cameras, and things to customize all of your personal club fitting needs. Pro-Am Golf carries all the major brands. They also have the latest fashion trends from Puma Golf. Whatever your needs, Pro-Am Golf will meet them and have the best customer service in the industry. Call us at 314-781-7775 or find us at ProAmGolfUSA.com. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsors, information head to ascensioncharityclassic.com usa mortgage is doing it again joe Sheezer and his staff have lowered rates again this month and they will waive closing costs if you want to refinance to get cash out lower your rate shorten your term or eliminate that costly unnecessary mortgage insurance if you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They're the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. USA Mortgage has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsing's. I want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing for supporting the show. When I was out playing golf, in my mind, I would see a picture that I wanted, and I'd try to hit the shot the way it was painted in my mind. The way you see your home is what Donahue Painting and Refinishing can make your home look like. Grab your friends, a cold one, and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsey. All right, welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. John and I are here. We are on the 19th hole, and we got to go to the tail end of this Paul Lazinger interview, and uh, then we're going to break it down a little bit. Zing, you got a problem with the distance? Are you concerned about how far everything's going? I know the USGA just finished a study. I just read a great article that Nick Price wrote about it. Um, what do you think? I think it needs to stop, you know, whatever the gaps are, but the same time what's more exciting than being able to get more distance and so it's a tough sell they have to give up the idea of growing the game through distance you know how do you sell clubs that don't go farther that's hard 
So you got to deal with that aspect of the sport. Um, and at our level, I don't think it goes too far. I mean, if, if let's say from the whatever, the 60s to the 2020s, it was always par 72 courses. Now they're all par 70 because the ball goes so far. What's the difference? Right. You, you, you got to maybe add a few yards to a few a few holes, pick the right holes, take a couple wedges out of our hands. But when we played, Jay, you and I both know we'd hit 8 to 12 wedges every single day, and they're doing it still. Um, there's some tournaments, I count them every week, that they're only going to get seven or eight wedges. So it's really the same in that regard, even though the ball's going farther. They've added D- tees in the whole nine yards. i got to tell but you, Zing. It's so thing. exciting to watch these guys it really is the entertainment factor of the power and the birdies, and it's all about birdies on the PGA Tour. But, man, when you and I were playing, you had to figure out how to play a flyer. And these kids don't even know what that is. Yeah, flyers are a whole other breed of animal. That Bermuda rough, I'd like to see the rough a little higher. Um, but what, who are you going to neutralize when you make the rough higher? When you change how you normally do the courses, then you've got these superstars on top that are playing the way they play with the way they're normally set up. And I still think every course is different anyway, Jay. The bunkers are different, the grass. The turf in Hawaii is so different than the turf at Pebble Beach this week that you know, if there's no rough at Pebble, you and I both know how easy it is. The amount of rough at Hawaii I thought made it treacherous. It was just the right height where it couldn't quite hold the weight of the ball, and it went down to the bottom most of the time. And uh, I remember playing Doral in the Bermuda Rough, though, where you couldn't advance it five yards. Right. And those days were long gone. They, right. The tour gave up on that because I don't think the players want – they don't like that. So that part of the game has changed. But I, it's still exciting to watch. If you love golf, you still love watching them. Well, Zing, we love hearing you on the on the air. We love the fact that you're on two networks now. And um, – we just love your – me personally, I love your style. I feel like I'm sitting right next to you. The vernacular that you use, it just it's, – it's terrific. <laughs> well, hey, you know how I am as well as, as, well as anybody. Um, I'm loving it. The, the NBC is different. It's, it goes fast. Tommy shows a lot of shots, and there's a sequence of order. And we have the same sequence of order at Fox. Um, and it's just – I don't know. It's, they're all different, but they're all the same in some capacity and in the end you just got to let the picture be descriptive and you try to be informative I, that's what i hope i'm doing uh, i hope i'm not telling you what you just saw but i probably do sometimes <laughs> uh, you're doing, you're, i like doing it though and it's a real privilege to get to do it man because i can appreciate what they're going through that's the best part right Right. You, you, you've, you've been through that. You've had all that feeling that runs through your body, and you know you've got to pull off this, you know, this six-foot putt or else not, nothing else is going to matter. You're not going to win. I know how it feels to be horrified, terrified, scared to death, and I know what it feels to feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how relaxed I am right now. Winning both ways, both sides of it and, and everywhere in between. Tiger, he's relaxed probably every time. <laughs> I mean, seriously, after so many – I got to where, after being in contention enough, I felt like I was pretty relaxed. And then I just kept thinking, watching Tiger after. I remember how I felt, how relaxed I got being in the last group and stuff. And I was thinking, if I could have gotten that relaxed in a short and a few amount of times that I got there compared to him, he's going to just beat everybody like a drum. And he did. <laughs> and he's still doing it. And you know what's amazing about him, Zing? He slows everything down. He slows his walk down into the putt. He's a, it's amazing when you watch yep. him really, really closely. Yeah, I focused on uh, his walk. I always talk about walking pace, but him, uh, I heard Tony Jacklin uh, made some comment about him. As he, he, he even blinks slowly. He blinks like a giraffe. And if you look, you know, he, his blink is just so slow. And, you know, most of us, Tiger walks fast. And I think he loves getting his adrenaline and pumping his fist and doing all that. But when it's time to slow it down a mock, what if he's just blinking slower than everybody else and bringing it right back down to where he wants to be? You know, that's that kind of thing that if he did that and I didn't know about it, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. It's something about blinking? Come on. But, I mean, it was obvious uh, that he was at such a different level. You know, the thing about golf, too, 
Jack, you and I both know, especially with putting. But it's stuff like that, blinking slowly instead of walking pace. Who knows? But you're, it seems like I was always in a quest to figure something out I was just never going to tell anybody about. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have ever figured it out, Zing, I probably wouldn't either. I just never figured anything out. I know. That's a, yeah, well, yeah, you did. You played better than you say. Um, but, yeah, that's how I felt about it. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to figure something out nobody else knows. And I'm going to hold it tight to the vest. <laughs> I think that's more that old school thinking. I think those guys still feel that way, actually. It's not changed that much. What's yeah. changed is the power, the popularity, and the exposure and the social media and all that. The game itself, they're still grinding. They still don't know from one day to the next if they're going to hit it great. They still lose sleep at night. Jordan Spieth's safe house in Augusta. You can't shut that brain off. So yeah, you it's know the it, same. Buddy. It's you... the same for them. It's just maybe on a little bit different scale. Hey, Zing, don't you feel like the, the top guys in the game, the Rory McIlroy's, the Jason Day's, the they're, they're just uh, Justin Thomas is just terrific. Besides great golfers, just terrific people. Yeah, a lot of them know how to behave. I mean, all of them really do pretty well uh, on and off the course. Um, but I, sometimes, you know, you, you hate that they're all social media friends and, you know, you'd like to see more Dave Hill and JC Sneed type of stuff, but it just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> those guys don't even know who those people are. <laughs> they get the, they're ready to get the fisticuffs on the driving range. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, Zing, I'm going to let you go, man. I really appreciate the time. I really appreciate you, you hanging out with us and, um, We'll keep listening to you. Hey, I appreciate it. All right, Pearl. That's a lot of Paul Azinger, but, man, I could sit yeah, and listen uh, to him uh, all too. day long. Me too. Plus, you got the guy that's the premier uh, color guy out there in, in all of golf now. That's just fantastic. I, I got to tell you, we, we uh, a couple of stories. He always refers to me as, how's the second best putting stroke I've ever seen doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, it's not quite as good as mine, but it's really, really good. And, <laughs> when did um, that start? When did that start? Oh, man, that started. There was a time when um, we, we came through the went through the qualifying school together in 1984. So we have been friends for a long time. And um, we seemed to get paired a lot together in those first couple of years. And then once he won, he went into a different category. But the year that he won, we played together a lot. And so then, you know, you just wind up. Spend a lot of time together. and Good guys around him on the mini tours, as I'd mentioned a little bit. Got to know his wife a little tiny bit, that kind of stuff. Just a, just a good guy, fun guy. Yep. Just a competitive. He just always had that kind of glit in his eye. Yeah, and we were standing in the bunker. I was up there practicing my bunker shots at Glen Abbey. Well, could Years it, Canadian, ago, Canadian, Canadian opened. Open. Yep, and uh, he said, Delsing, come on. I, uh, how about $100 a shot? You know, And I, was, I turned around and I go, come on, get in here. And he kind of... <laughs> You like, backed them down. Wait a minute, you're 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 gonna take that? I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. And he's like, I don't, you know. And he just, I don't know if he was just fooling around or what, but it was, uh, it was fun. We got in there and just messed around. And I liked back in the day when he kind of went eye to eye with Sevy a couple different times. And what? he he, I think Paul kind of liked that stand out. Oh, oh John, the best story. So Sevy, you know, the Ryder Cup and the coughing and all this other stuff. So they they hit a, a, a ball, a tee shot over the hill, and there's a ball really close to a sprinkler head. And Paul goes up to that ball, and he's, like, taking his stance and moving his feet around and everything like that and trying to make it so that he can stand on the sprinkler head. And, Seve, and Zinger goes, hey, hey, Sevy, do you think I deserve a drop from this ball right here? And he goes, no, 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 you get no drop from there. And, and Zinger goes, good, this is your ball. Now, I love oh, that. Oh, I man. love oh, that. Is, that. That, sent, that went through the tour like a uh, hot knife through butter, man. Everybody knew that story. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, it was on. Because Seve was that guy oh, every he was, round. Oh, he was. I, God rest it, his soul. This guy, I got to play with this guy, and he was phenomenal player. When I worked a couple Ryder Cups, I had his group, so I'm kind of up front, close, and personal. And I saw the antics of the coughing, the dropping the putter, the scuffing his feet. And it was just, uh, it, it, when you're watching it, and you can kind of, you're right there and see it, it's so blatant, you're not going to pick it up on TV. And that's why he gets the players riled up, because they don't want to make necessarily a big deal of it. He knows he gets under their skin, and Azinger didn't have anything to do with it. He, no. he, he came right back at it, didn't no. he? Oh, he absolutely did. He absolutely did. Well... Man, that was a fun interview, and um, and thanks for listening. I want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing. You know, when I was playing, I would try to paint 
the image of a shot. I would see it in my head, and then I would try to duplicate that shot. Donahue Painting and Refinishing can do that for your home. They can make your home look like you want it to look with really, really high quality. I also have something out coming coming out called the Delsing Report. It'll be on my YouTube channel. It's going to be uh, previewing clubs, equipment, all sorts of different stuff to try to help you with your game. You are a social media I'm a magnet. Superstar magnet, <laughs> magnet. That's what I meant. <laughs> Whatever that is. Pearly, thanks for being with me today. Meet, thanks for running us, keeping us together. I'm not sure what you do, but it's we, we couldn't do it without you, that's for sure. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.